number three, I'll just mention to you that um, something happened to me this earlier this week that got me to thinking about something. See, happened, what happened last week is that God really blessed. And I mean, we had, we had amazing weather uh, for the wedding and uh, dried almost everything up. And, and, uh, and then we had all kinds of people coming in and our family and it was like a reunion. I mean, we had my parents, of course, they don't live too far away, but Wilma's parents were here, some of Wilma's siblings uh, and nieces and nephews, my sister and her family that were here last week, and, uh, and then our, all of our kids were together, and uh, it was fun. And, and then we had, you know who was here, Jonathan Lee was here, and, uh, and so, wow, and it was exciting, and, and so then... Uh, it was just fun, but it was fast. I mean, it, it was fast, and um, uh, uh, things were happening, and, of course, Josh and, and all his guys were out Thursday going out and doing stuff, and I think they all got together for lunch at the Alpine or something, and then we went to the uh, Landover and uh, talked to the ladies that have been there for years and remember when our kids were just little squirts, and uh, and so we wanted to go back and make sure that they said hello to them since they're all together for once, and and uh, but it was fast and furious, and then, of course, uh, the wedding day came, and and uh, and uh, and then after that, you know, John, Mark, and and Caleb, they they took the old side by side, went out and got it all muddy and dirty and everything. But it was just fun, and lots of things happening. And, and of course, Jonathan Lee was was there, and we were having a good time with him. Uh, and then something bad happened. First of all, Josh and Lexi left. They didn't stick around, and uh, and then. Uh, Monday night, uh, Caleb flew out, and then Tuesday afternoon, uh, Jonathan Lee and, and those people that took him flew out, and uh, and and people were just leaving. and uh, And I was walking, I was walking across the sidewalk here earlier this week, and I saw tire marks from where Caleb and John Mark had spun out with the side by side as they were leaving the parking lot or whatever. and And uh, and I just was thinking, oh, that was just. That was just yesterday or two days ago or whatever. And uh, and all of a sudden I realized all we got left is Sam. I mean, the worst of the bunch. And, and, and they're gone. I know I'm the only one in this room that's felt this. You know, nobody else in here has experienced anything like this. You're like, come on, Pastor, get a grip. So... I saw something yesterday that had already been something I was thinking about. In fact, it was evangelist John Getch who comes here sometimes, and he posted something on, on the Internet, and, and it, he said this. He said, you know, hell is a separation, but heaven is a reunion. And I was thinking about how that, that I'm looking forward to getting together again. And if you're saved, that's a reunion. You're, you're, you're looking forward to reunion day. And... <clears throat> I'll go ahead and say this because it's true. They don't feel near as bad about it as I do. I mean, ask Josh and Lexi. They'll be here tonight. They'll be like, <laughs> we didn't miss you. Uh, Caleb, Caleb's got a girlfriend, and I promise you, he's focused on her more than missing mom and dad right now. And John Mark and Hannah, they stole John Lee. And uh, took him back, and they put an offer on a house, and they're hoping. They, their minds are on other things, too. 
And you know what? I believe heaven, I believe the people in heaven are not wishing they could come back. I, I think if there was a post office, they would be sending a lot of cards that said, having a wonderful time, wish you were here. But in heaven, there's no, there's no concept of time, I don't think. So they're not even aware of how much time it's been. And they know that you're coming. If you're saved, you're coming. But it, it's, it's just kind of like my kids. They're, they're, it's like, oh, yeah, that's where mom and dad are. No big deal. They're not missing us as much as we're missing them. That's true. I think that's true. And yet, I, I love the fact that we have a reunion scheduled and it can't be changed. And everybody who is saved is going to have that reunion. And it won't be fast and too fast. It'll be forever. So I asked Miss Wilma to stay at the piano because I wanted to sing my special, but I wanted to sing it after I said that. And then I want to look at the subject of heaven today. So let me sing this first and then we'll go on. On that happy golden shore Where the faithful part no more When the storms of life are o'er Meet me there Where the night dissolves away into pure and perfect day I am going there to stay meet me there meet me there meet me there where the Savior waits to greet us meet me there meet me there meet me there faithful part no more meet me there here the future is unknown here in pain our spirits groan but one day I'm going home meet me there here we struggle in the race trusting God's unfailing grace but one day I'll see his face. Meet me there. Meet me there. Meet me there. Where the Savior waits to greet us. Meet me there. Meet me there. Meet me there. Where the saved will part no more. Meet me there, where the songs of heaven ring, and the blessed forever sing, in the palace of the king. Meet me there, where in sweet communion blend, heart with heart and friend with friend, in a world that never ends. Meet me there. Meet me there. Meet me there. Where the Savior waits to greet us. Meet me there. Meet me there. 
there where the faithful part no more meet me there amen that's what that's what heaven is it's a reunion and if you're saved you got at least one person waiting for you that's jesus christ and I say if you're saved and you belong to a godly local church, you probably got more than just one person waiting for you. You probably got other loved ones besides Christ himself. And heaven, I can hardly wait. Now, let's not get suicidal. There's a job for us to do. Let's look at number one. Our conversation, it says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20 and 21, for our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our conversation, that's an old word. Of course, the, the use of that word today is still used, but it's only used to determine kind of one definition now, and that's conversation with your mouth. Well, certainly that's part of the definition, but in older days, conversation was more about your life, your citizenship, everything about you, <clears throat> everything that, 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 that was or, or surrounding you. It was just your, your way of life, your, your conversation, your citizenship. And if you're saved, it's in heaven. You are a citizen of heaven. If you are born again, you are already locked in. You are one of heaven's citizens. And this citizenship, of course, requires a new birth. John chapter 3, Jesus said, you must be born again. If you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Must is not a suggestion. It is an absolute requirement. You have to be born again. You need to be born from above. The new Jerusalem, which is the mother of us all, that is born from above. That new birth is a requirement for citizenship in heaven. Notice I did not say anything about baptism or church membership. Baptism and church membership is something that we do after we've been born again. But being born again is simply faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The thief on the cross didn't get to join a church or get baptized, but the thief on the cross had a new birth right there on the cross when he turned to Christ and asked him to remember him. Being born again is something that everyone has to be in order to go to heaven. I know there are many people who think that heaven has different ways, but the Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And it's through him and him alone. <clears throat> now, when you have this new birth, you have this citizenship. And that means, as it says in Hebrews chapter 11, you belong to a heavenly country. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 through 16, it says, but these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar, confessed and, 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 and admitted that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. But they all died recognizing a heavenly country. If they had been mindful of the country they had come out, they might have opportunity of return, but they desire a better country, a heavenly country. I am glad that we're having those Monday night meetings and we're talking about how we as biblical patriots and biblical citizenship, citizens can be doing something in the here and now. But I'm going to tell you right now, I know sooner or later, according to the word of God, it is going to get bad. And so I do believe, I mean, as long as the Bill of Rights and the Constitution is out there, we Christian Americans, we need to be doing what we can right here and right now. However, whether or not it gets done and whether or not they steal it all from us, I got a better country. I'm the citizen of heaven, and I know where I'm going, and I am a 
heaven citizen. I'm a, I belong to that heavenly country. And that's, that's who I am. And by the way, if you are a foreigner, as soon as you say the word foreigner, you're different. It's just we think different, foreigner. Don't be afraid or ashamed or upset if the world treats you like you're different. Because you is. You're heavenly, you're heavenly country now. And so you talk different and you think different and you don't do everything that they're doing around here. Why? Because you're the citizen of a different country. And, and, and all your eggs aren't in the November election ballot. You, you got to, I mean, whether that thing goes right or wrong on planet earth, we still have a better thing we're looking forward to. Praise God for that. And I'm, I belong to a heavenly country. And I, I learned that from reading in Hebrews 11 and Father Abraham and the others who, who, who recognized that they were just strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We're just foreigners. It's okay. We, we're looking to something bigger and better. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. I'll turn there. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20. I read this last year and, and George, who's not with us, Ross's dad, uh, back east right now but Second Corinthians chapter 5 he really got a hold of this I could tell because he talked about it a lot afterwards but Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 20 it says now then we are ambassadors for Christ see if you're a foreigner you should be an ambassador and of course we have official elected or, or appointed ambassadors that we send and what's the job of the ambassador to represent to represent the country from which you are from. We are ambassadors for Christ. That's what I am on this earth. I am to be God's ambassador. I am to, to represent him to a, a, a community I live in. That's what it means to be our conversation is in heaven. And if you know John 14... He said, let not your heart be troubled, Jesus said. You believe in God, believe also in me. And my Father's house are many mansions. Some, some of these new versions say many rooms. I don't want to go to an apartment complex. Many mansions. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. I really don't care how big or small my mansion is. I'm just going to be glad to be there. But on top of that, I get a mansion. We have a new home waiting for us there. I just read in the paper that we're going to continue to pay taxes on the one down here. It's getting to be where some folks might not be able to afford to live where they live because they can't pay the taxes. Got good news. They don't have any taxes where I'm going. That's awesome because I can't pay the taxes on a mansion. I already know I can't. It's all paid for. And that's what I have. My conversation is in heaven. And I think Dave or someone prayed earlier today, help us to not be focused on earthly things. Praise God, that's exactly right. Because we're heavenly creatures. If, we, if you're saved now, if you say you are, but you're not, you ain't gonna be. But if you're saved, if you're born again, then this is what you are. And this is what you have. And this is what you have looking forward to. That's our conversation. 
And that leads to number two. Our hope, then, is his return. Philippians chapter 3 says, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm looking for him. I know that things are going to get bad, and it could be that this Antichrist being will come on the scene and scare everybody half to death and make demands, but I'm going to tell you right now, I ain't looking for no Antichrist, and I ain't even looking for no election, although I will be a part of it, but what I'm looking for is the Savior because that's who's coming back to really straighten things out. Titus chapter 2, verse 13 says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What, a, what an awesome thing to have a blessed hope. Right now, right now there are people that, that are clutching to some kind of a hope. And before this year is over with, that hope will be destroyed. I, I, I just know this for sure. There are people that are clinging and clutching to something to hope on, to hang on to and hope for. Listen to me, I have a hope that cannot be removed. I'm looking for the blessed hope of Jesus Christ's return. I don't just believe he came, I believe he's coming again. I believe that when he came the first time, we celebrate that at Christmas time, and then at Easter, we celebrate the fact that he dies and he rose again from the dead. And just as he left, he's coming back. That's my blessed hope, his return. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10 says, waiting for his son from heaven. Now, the angels, when, when Jesus ascended and, and went into heaven, the angels said to the disciples, don't stand here gazing into heaven. Go do something. Go do what he told you to do. We're not just to sit around waiting. We're not just supposed to just sit around waiting. He has something for us to do. and Our hope is his return, though. Number three, notice this also. It says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. First John chapter 3 says, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I always, this is the part where I always say, you'll not even recognize Ron Spear. He's going to be so different looking. Uh, somehow we're still going to be recognizable, but I'm telling you, this vile bodies we're in is going to look different. I'm going to have hair all over the top of my head, not just in parts. I'm going to be a lot taller and more handsome. No, seriously, I'm going to have a glorified body. I'm going to not have a vile body. And I know I'm not the only one in here that woke up this morning saying, oh, this vile body. Our new life with a new body. What an awesome thing. It It would be heaven, but it wouldn't be quite the same if it was a nursing home. If we had to wheel around in this body, I mean, praise God, there is no cancer. There is no cripple. There is no anything, nothing negative, a new glorified body who shall change our vile body. Think about this. I don't know about you. I'm pretty sure I know about you, but I know for sure about me. This body is capable of sin. It's flesh. This flesh does stupid stuff and thinks things that it shouldn't think and acts sometimes. I'm going to be free from that. That's why it's going to be heaven. That's why it's going to be different than even now. Here on earth, we have Christians who offend us, let alone the world. 
But in heaven, there will be no offense. Our new life with a new glorified body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says this concerning the resurrection. It says in verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Boy, isn't that the truth. (laughs) If Christianity is just for the here and now, that's pretty miserable. Because it doesn't look like we're winning much. And it looks like we're getting older. And it looks like we're dying off. And it looks like the evil is growing. I'm so thankful that Christianity isn't just for this life. Christianity is not a crutch to get us through this life. Our new life and our new body, if not, we'd be miserable. But look what it does say in verse 50, the last part of the chapter. We sang this in Sunday school. Someone asked us to sing verse 58. Let's read 50 to 58. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Someone said, that's the nursery verse. No, that's not really the nursery verse. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be. No, what that means is we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. In other words, if Jesus returns and there's some Christians still left, they won't have to die, but they will, like everyone else, be changed. The resurrection will be a changing of an old into a new in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. It's early in 2024. And I just want to say I'm thankful we haven't had a funeral yet. But it's quite possible we will before the year's done. Nobody likes to think about that. However, when it's a Christian funeral, it's a blessing, not a curse. Because we know we'll see them again. But there's still tears. There's still sadness. But one day, we're going to go to a world where death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 55 says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, present tense, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I'm so happy to be a Christian because one of the things about being a Christian is I have something to do that isn't a waste of time. There are so many people doing stuff right now, and it's just a waste of time. I heard on the radio that the average price of the ticket to today's game is about $10,000. You talk about a waste of time and money. Can you imagine spending eternity, even if you're in heaven, but, but imagine being in hell, spending eternity... I made millions of dollars throwing a leather ball around. For what? Imagine being in heaven. I skipped church to go watch those guys do that. Imagine being a politician at the end of this year. We spent millions of dollars and we still lost. 
Listen, as a Christian, your labor is not in vain if it's in the Lord. Out in the book out there, there's a, there's a story of a missionary about 100 years ago who went to, I think it was Africa. It might have been South America, but he went to a deepest, darkest place of a, a jungle that, that was very remote, and he lived his life, and he came back to America a broken and defeated man. He felt like he got nothing accomplished. He died in America thinking that. Years later, some other missionaries went back into the same area, and to their shock, they found entire villages meeting together. They found a huge hut. I mean, a huge structure that housed about a thousand people. And they said, what, what is this? And, they, and they, they were Christians. These natives were Christians. And they said, well, we just, we, and we just believe. And they, the, 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 the missionaries, they tried to figure this out. How did this happen? And they traced it back. And you know who they traced it to? The man who thought he was a loser. Who did not see what he was doing but God was doing something through what he was doing. And all I can tell you is, even if you die as a Christian and you don't really see a whole lot, that doesn't mean your labor was in vain. What I love about God is he lives longer than we do. And he can make it happen even if you is dead. He can still finish the job. That's what I love about Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's not a waste of time. And if it was, that we'd be miserable people. Look with me in Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21, verse 1 1 through 5. Let me read it quickly. Revelation 21, verse 1. And I saw the new heaven and the new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away, next word, all tears from their eyes. Anything that would make you cry in sadness will be wiped away. There shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Haven't had a chance to tease our newlyweds yet. You can tonight. But pretty soon they won't be newlyweds. Hopefully for them the honeymoon doesn't end but we all know how things go. I mean, no matter what you ever got in your life that was new and excited you, at some point it stopped being new. But you know what's awesome about heaven? You wake up every day, it's new again. I don't even know how to explain that. See, you, you can't say that unless it's always new. Down here on earth, there's never always new. But in heaven, somehow, because there's no time, it's just always new. I don't even get that, but I'm going to see it. Our new life and our new body. And so somehow we will be there without aging. 
Then number four, our present confidence. I just, I just quoted that verse, Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 4, talking about confidence. See, as a believer, I can have a confidence that the world can't understand. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11 says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Unless it's California, that's, that's over the top. No, just kidding. Whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Why? Because if I'm where God wants me to be, it doesn't matter where that is. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. To, be, to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. That's a confident person. It doesn't matter where God's called me. If I know that's where I'm supposed to be, I have the confidence that this is where I'm supposed to be. And I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me if this is where he has me to be. Look with me in verse 19. But my God shall supply What's the word? All. All your need. Not all your wants necessarily, although the Bible does say he gives us the desires of our heart. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. As an ambassador for Christ, headed for heaven, I hope that I can demonstrate to others that we're we're taken care of. God has met our needs. Years ago, when Joshua Furs was a year and one week old, he had a stroke. And and the dollars, I, I meant to say the other day that I used to call him Bill, short for hospital bill. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. We were in Wyoming, just across the state line from here, and, and so someone at the local whatever services called and said, we heard that your son had a stroke. We want you to know there's special services set up in the state of Wyoming for children like yours. And I'm not saying that it would have been wrong for me to say, oh, well, plug me in. But here was the blessing. I was able to say, it's already paid for. People heard about it. I didn't tell anybody, but people heard about it. And we literally don't have any bills It's taken care of. What I love about being an ambassador for Christ is whoever sent you as ambassador sends your funds as you need it. I I don't know where you're supposed to be, but if you are where you're supposed to be, then it's up to somebody else to make sure you are taken care of. And he does, and he will, and he has. Our present confidence, our present confidence that we have even now. And that is no, no better illustrated than when someone's dying. When you have a believer who is dying and they know they're dying and they are on their way to heaven. Uh, Nathan Ching is our missionary to the Chinese and his mother has been told she has a terminal cancer. This is an awful thing for anyone to hear. But you know what? When you're a Christian, what an awesome opportunity for you to show confidence in death. 
I've heard tell that some people would kind of wait to see a Christian die to decide if they were really a believer or not. Well, I guess that would surely show something. Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You guys want to kill me? I know where I'm going. Our president confidence. You have that when you're on your way to heaven. Then Philippians chapter 3 also. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14. It says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said earlier, he said, it's not the earthly things that I'm chasing after. It's not even a Super Bowl. No, I'm pressing toward a prize that is heavenly. See, if you're on your way to heaven, there are rewards. First Timothy chapter, excuse me, Second Timothy chapter number four. Second Timothy chapter four and verse eight. It says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. There's rewards, there's crowns to be handed out as rewards. I'm looking forward to the reward ceremony. Second Peter, excuse me, first Peter chapter number one. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. And then Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12, Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. I'm looking forward to the rewards. I mentioned about missionaries in the old days. I heard of another story. Some of you have heard me say it before, but I like this story. It's a good story. It's a good illustration. There was an old couple that was coming home to America from being out on the mission field for decades. And they were tired and they, were, they needed to come home. <clears throat> they, were, they were old and, and unable to do what they were doing. And they came home and as they were coming home, it was the days of ships, not, not airplanes, you know, like the t- Titanic days, 100 years ago or so. And they were on this ship and come to find out they're on the ship with a very important dignitary from America some celebrity from America. I think it was a president, but I don't remember. Found out they were on the same ship that he was. And so as they were coming into harbor and then as they were docking, there was a band and there was a crowd and there was music playing and people cheering and and everyone was cheering this celebrity as he came off the dock, off of the ship, walked down the plank onto the dock. And that old missionary stood there and watched that man get received with all these accolades and everything and and, uh, the whole fanfare and the whole crowd just kind of went off with the celebrity off into the town. And that old missionary looked at his wife and he just had a grouchy look on his face. She said, what's wrong with you? He said, nobody was here to treat. Look Look what we did with our whole life. Our whole life. And nobody was here to cheer us on and clap for us and receive us with any kind of praise or thanksgiving she said I think you need to talk to God about it it sounds like you have a bad attitude that's what good wives do they went and stayed at a hotel that night and he went to bed grouchy and she went to bed and the next morning when she woke up he was already up bright and bushy tailed and whistling and a different countenance on his face She said, what happened to you? He said, I did what you said. I talked to God. And what did God say? You're not home yet. 
That's why you didn't get all the cheering. You're not home yet. Isn't that awesome? The world's not going to cheer you on, not going to cheer me on. We're not supposed to win man of the year down here. That's not what it's about. But when we enter, if we've done the job, no matter what it is and how many people recognize it, if we did what he gave us to do, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And there'll be reward. Speaking of reward, this kind of goes with it, but our heavenly treasures will be there. What's a heavenly treasure? When you invest wisely. I think people in Custer County understand investments. When you invest wisely, there's a return on your investment way down the road. Well, as a Christian, it's way down the road. But Jesus said, don't forget, Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, not on the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but rather lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust can corrupt. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I said when you get to heaven, hopefully you have loved ones other than Jesus himself, which will be enough if, if that's all you've got. But if you are saved and you've been a belong, belong to a church, you have other loved ones that will greet you there as well. But won't it be awesome? If you have somebody there that you brought to Jesus, that you led to the Lord or you helped them, imagine seeing a whole group of people from Columbia. You and I have never been to Columbia, but we've helped somebody in Columbia start churches. And if you were here last week, you got to meet them. And these Colombian people come up to you and we all speak the same language up there and they say, I'm from Colombia and you had a part. Our heavenly treasure will be there. There's no tax on it. It can't be stolen. The government can't print more money so that your investments go down in value. No, it's heavenly treasure. It cannot be robbed. Years ago, a man in Canada left an estate to a lady to manage, and she, he said to her, I want you to find ministers that you believe are doing what God wants them to do, and I want you to just use my estate to help them get the job done. A young man and his family went into Canada, and they were preaching at a service there and a church there. And this lady was there. And she came up to him and said, do you have any needs? He said, well, I, I, I do. And, and she said, do you have any payments? She said, well, I, I just bought this, this rig and that, that pulls my fifth wheel camper for my, to haul my family around. We don't have a house. We don't own a house. But this fifth wheel camper is our house. And this rig is what pulls it. She said, how much is that? And he said, well, the payments are this. And she said, I'm going to start paying those payments. She said, it's not me. This man left this, and this is what, a, and the young preacher said, praise the Lord, what a blessing. Wow. That's cool because that old man was still laying up treasure in heaven after he died. He was still investing in heaven when he's already in heaven because of that wisdom that he gave to that lady. That young preacher, his name is Bill Smith. You've met him. He comes here every year for vacation Bible school. There are treasures in heaven that you can have if you'll invest wisely now. And I know some of you have some already waiting.
I'm thinking about the people. I'm thinking about some of the ones that have gone on before us. I'm not going to name names because I don't want to tug at your emotions and get people in here crying because some of those people are relatives of yours. But I'm thinking about people that I know got saved and they're in heaven now. That's treasure. You can show me your Super Bowl ticket. (laughs) You can show me whatever you want to show me, but no treasure will match that treasure. And that's why Paul said in Philippians 1.21, he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There are so many people, dying is not gain. The world, death is the worst thing that can happen to them because they lose everything. They leave it behind. And many Christians, sadly, don't have much gain when they die. But if you're a believer who's following God's will for your life, Dying will be gain, not loss. Then lastly, right here in Philippians 1. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For me to, to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose I want not. For I am in a straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ which is far better. Paul said, I'd really like to just go home. I really would like to just go to heaven. Verse 24, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. I have a purpose. I want to go home to heaven, but I know why God hasn't taken me yet, and it's because I have a purpose. I wonder if you've got a purpose. Verse 27 says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. What is it saying? You Philippians that meet together for church, you need to work together for the same goal. Yeah, but Ron Spears in that church. I know, but you need to strive together for the faith of the gospel. Yeah, but Pastor Matt is kind of a doofus and I think he's a hypocrite. Yeah, I know, but you need to strive together for the faith of the gospel. Work together. Don't don't scatter that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Yeah, but they're threatening to take away our freedoms. Don't be terrified. Did you, did you know that for thousands of years, Christians didn't have a Bill of Rights? And they still had church. And they still were Christians. And nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an advent token of perdition. See, we're talking about confidence earlier. If you're terrified, what does that say to your enemy? But when you stand boldly and say, you can't scare me, boy, that terrifies your enemy. We can't threaten them with anything. It's an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation. Verse 29 says, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer. For a sake, it could be that God wants us to suffer. And if so, that's fine if that's his will. I'm not saying it's going to feel fine, but I know I've got a purpose. And my purpose is not to build a kingdom down here and to look good down here. My purpose is to just do what God has given me as an ambassador to do. See, back there in Second Corinthians chapter 5, it says, Now then, ye are ambassadors for Christ. 
And it goes on to say that you will be a person that will reconcile, that you'll have the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, that you will reconcile people to the Lord. That's your job is to see other people get saved. Reconcile is a banking term. It means to make it balance and to pay off the debt. It's all reconciled. And that's what it's saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's saying you're an ambassador for Christ and you have a ministry of reconciliation. That's what we're doing. We go through our community. We knock on doors. We talk to people. We, 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 we preach. We, we share the gospel with whoever, young or old. And we say, look, you have a sin debt and it can only be reconciled through Jesus Christ. That's my ministry of reconciliation. That's your ministry of reconciliation. Last year, George heard me talking about this. And George said, Pastor, I've got a, I'm in real estate business and I've got a convention in Las Vegas. And I remember that biker booth where we were handing out tracks down there in August. And I want to set up a booth in Las Vegas. And, and I asked Remax and they said I could do it. They said I could, I could set up a booth and give out tracks as long as I still had the Remax part of it going on. And pastor, I, why? Because I'm, no, I'm supposed to be an ambassador for Christ. And he did. He handed out lots of tracts. He only got a few rejections. Talking to people about the Lord. And he came back. He said, pastor, here's the leftover tracts. And he went like this. Wait a minute. I'm not done. My job's not over. That's what he said. He said, I'm not going to give you these back. I'm supposed to be handing these out. We're supposed to be ambassadors for Christ. I mean, we say we're going there. Don't we want other people to go? I mean, how did we get to, how did we get a ticket? Somebody said, hey, haven't you heard about Christ? And we said, no, we, and we got saved. Well, we heard about him, but we didn't know him like what the Bible says to know him. We must be born again. So our purpose is going to heaven is to stay here. As you get older, you start to think, boy, I wouldn't mind just going. But apparently he hasn't taken you yet, and so he's got a purpose. And if you find yourself in a hospital bed and you are dying, you still have a purpose. Why doesn't he take me? Because possibly there's a nurse or a doctor or a neighbor or someone that needs to hear you talk about heaven one more time. I'm looking forward to heaven. And there's only one reason why I don't want to go today because there's probably somebody that needs me to stay. But when that last person is no longer needing me, I guess I'll probably be going. That's okay. Someone said, when you hear that pastor is dead, don't you believe it. I'll be more alive than I've ever been. When you hear that the Furses have lost, don't you believe it. Because when you're a Christian, you don't lose. You don't say goodbye. You just say, see you later. You don't stop breathing. You just breathe different oxygen from a different place. But until then, we have a purpose. Let's bow our heads for a moment. I just want to ask this because I always do. Is there anyone today that would say, Pastor, I want to go, but I'm not sure I'm going? Would there be anyone that would say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm going to heaven, but I want to be. I want to know that I'm saved. You can. Is there anyone right now just with a raised hand saying, Pastor, I got to get this settled. I got to know that I'm saved. Anyone at all? 
and for those who are saved. We live in this world, but let's keep our focus on the one that's coming. If we'll live with eternity's values in view, we'll be ambassadors for Christ. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to even understand the salvation message, to have the hope of eternal life and the salvation given to us freely. Lord, help us to understand if we're saved, it's not because we're smarter. It's because you gave us grace that we sang about today. Marvelous grace. Lord, help us to be ambassadors that want to share it with somebody else. That want to tell others and, and talk to others and hand something that, for them to read and to share the good news of a better place. In all that goes on in our world today, help us to not discuss only the politics and only the weather and only the things surrounding us, but help us to point people to that wonderful place that we're calling home. And help each one in this room to understand their purpose and to just keep living it. For me to live is Christ and to die will be gain. Help us to be able to say that as well. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.